The Aiglon College tradition of morning meditation began with the school's founding in 1949. John Corlett conceived of the idea as a spiritual practice that would exist beyond any particular religious ideology. It was to play a unifying role in his belief that education should shape the whole person through the balanced development of mind, body and spirit. Today this tradition retains a central place in the life of the school, with its practice remaining relatively unchanged. The Aiglon meditation begins and ends in silence. Good morning, everyone. That was the worst response I've ever heard to anyone that asked good morning. Good morning, everyone. That's better. Let's get some energy going in here. Get energy going in here. Well, thank you very much indeed uh, for coming here today. Not like you had a choice, but thank you anyway. So today I'm going to talk to you about six human needs. I'm talking about the reasons why we do things. We get up every day, we've got a certain agenda, off we go, we do things, we start working, thinking of ideas, and we're all driven, I believe, by these six human needs. The first four I call the physical needs. And the last two are the needs of the spirit, or the soul, so to speak. So the first one, certainty. We must have certainty in our lives. We need to know that we've got air that can breathe. We need to know that the gravity works. We need to know that we've got enough money, that we've got enough friends. There's all these certain things that drive us to understand certainty and get certainty in our lives. And if I can give an example of certainty, this man. Anyone know this man? Oh, not personally, I mean, does anyone just know who he is? Sylvester Stallone, thank you very much indeed. Well done, 10 points. So this is Sylvester Stallone. Now, he was certain that he was going to be an actor. Hands up who's seen the film Rocky. Yeah? Hands up who understood most of what he said during that film. Yeah? Very difficult. Adrian! Not exactly the first thing you think about as being an actor, but he was certain that that's what he wanted to do. So certain, in fact, that before he made Rocky, he was destitute. He had hardly any money for clothes, food, for warmth. He just hocked his wife's jewellery. And I think, as anyone would know, that's not a good thing to do, to hock your wife's jewellery. But he was so certain and driven by his desire to be an actor. He went round, uh, apparently in an interview, he said he went round to about 1,500 agents in New York. And there aren't 1,500 agents in New York. But he went there three, four, five, six times. Until one day, to escape from the cold, he went and sat in a library, the New York City Library. And somebody had left a copy of the collection of poems by Edgar Allan Poe. He just happened to pick this up and got totally engrossed in it, totally read the work, understood what it was about, and it moved him. Moved him to think, hey, maybe I should be a writer instead. A couple of weeks later, he was watching a fight uh, with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was pummeling the bejesus out of this particular individual. And from that boxing match, he had the idea. 20 hours straight after that fight, he wrote the whole script for Rocky. And then he went around trying to sell it. 
People go, no, 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 this, this isn't good enough. I don't believe in the characters. I don't believe in the story. It, it's a no-go. And he finally found someone. Because he was certain he was going to do it, he kept on doing it. And finally, he found someone who said, yep, OK, we'll take a chance. We'll offer you $125,000 for your script. And Stallone was like, wow, what a concept. Money. Brilliant. Fantastic. One thing. What's that? I'm Rocky. <laughs> no. You're not an actor, you're a writer. No, 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 I'm an actor, I'm going to be in this film, I'm going to be Rocky. No, they said no. He walked out. He walked out of $125,000 because he was certain of his ability and his capability. They called him up a couple of weeks later, brought him back again. They eventually got him up to $350,000 for him not to star in his own film. And he still turned them down. They finally settled on $35,000 for the script and some points in the film. They said, if, if we're going to take the hit, you're going to take the hit as well. The film cost $1 million to make. It grossed $200 million. And in his Oscar speech, he read out all the agents that had turned him away. There's nothing like massive success to beat everything. Now, personally, 2017 was a very interesting year for me. There were three things I was absolutely certain about. All three, I was absolutely certain. Four o'clock in the morning, I'm watching the results coming in. I'm thinking, this is it. Absolutely, there's no way we're leaving the EU. Wrong. Secondly, I thought, <laughs> Hillary's going to get in. Trump's a clown. How's that going to work? Clearly, not everyone had my same point of view in the United States. And thirdly, after the second quarter of the Super Bowl, the Falcons were leading 21-3 against the New England Patriots. I thought, absolutely no chance are they going to come back from that. <laughs> I should have learned. They did. They came back and they won the Super Bowl, 36-34, I believe. So what does this tell us? What does this tell me about my sort of level of certainty? That there is a second human need. Uncertainty. Hands up who likes surprises? Who likes surprises here? <laughs> Rubbish. You like the surprises you want, yeah? All those other surprises we get are called problems. But we need them. We need them because we need variety in our life. We need those challenges for us. I mean, who's watched a film more than once? And why have you watched it more than once? You're certain you've seen it. You'll certainly know how it ends. You're just hoping it's been long enough that it's a bit of variety and you're uncertain of it. So it's, it's interesting to sort of why we have this, but we need it. We need this level of, of, of variety in our lives. Which brings me to the third one, significance. We all seek significance in our lives. We all like to be somewhere. We always like to feel that we're valued, um, that people understand us and, and realise us. I mean, it, for instance, in my household, Significance works as uh, Madame Beebe, Eloise and Phoebe, Monty the dog, Coco the cat, me. And Coco's dead. But that's how, that's how significance works, and we all strive to understand significance. And unfortunately, in this day and age, there's one real quick, sure way of getting significance in our lives. Violence. Violence is a very quick way of getting significance. If I've got a gun and I'm pointing it at your head, how certain am I that you're going to respond? One to ten. 
10. Yeah? 60. <laughs> 60. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you're different. Um, so 1 to 10, I'll say a value of 10. You're going to do what I'm going to say. How also, but how uncertain am I about the situation that's gone? There's a new, fresh new understanding, different circumstances. But we're, violence will always be the quickest way to get significance until we as a species have a consciousness change. But that's going to be the issue. So the fourth one, following on from significance, love and connection. We all need love and connection. We all seek love and connection. Because actually love and connection gives us those first three as well. It gives us certainty that we're in a relationship, that we're enjoying. It gives us uncertainty. We don't know where it's going. And it also gives us significance. How many people have been hurt in a, in a relationship? One person, right. <laughs> well, the great thing is, it's going to happen again. And it will keep on happening. That's the way love and connection works, unfortunately. So there's going to be some highs, there's going to be some lows. But we need it. We need that significance. We need it. Try and get it through family. We try and get it through friends. Try and get it through loved ones. If you're really struggling, get a dog. Don't get a cat. Cats don't care a thing about you. Get a dog, because if you leave a dog for five minutes, you come back, it's wagging his tail. And if I go back to Sylvester Stallone, uh, one of the side stories of his uh, trying to get some money together was one day he went down and took his dog, who he loved beyond anything else. He took his dog down to a off-license to sell it to get money. And he sold that dog for $25. When he sold his script, what do you think the first thing that he did? Went out and partied, went out and celebrated, I got $35,000. No, first thing he did was went straight back down to that off-license and waited for the person that had the dog to come past. Eventually he did. Salone said, please, I'd love to have my dog back. Here's $50 for my dog back. The man said, no way, my dog now. Not going to give him back. So he went higher. He went to $100. And then went to $1,000. He was so intent on getting the love of his life back. Eventually uh, sold it for $15,000 and a part in the film. So the man who had his dog is actually in the film, as is his dog, which is lovely. But 15, you think of 15000 that was half of the money he just got. So that's, that's how strong it is, love and connection. But this all leads me on to then the final two, the two that I say are the, are the, the spiritual side of things. Because as human beings, there's one thing we have to do, and that's grow. That's partly why you're here, is to grow as individuals, to grow intellectually, and then to grow onwards and outwards. We need to have that growth strategy for ourselves. We can't sit and just stagnate. We have to develop ideas. We have to grow as social individuals in whatever field you move into. We need to expand what we know and what we do. Because ultimately, we have to contribute beyond ourselves. And I know Eglon has a great, rich tapestry history of going out and helping others. But this is, this is so fundamentally important. And I think you, you can all agree, if we make this world a much better place for everyone to live in, then everyone's going to have a much better ride, aren't they? Tony Robbins, when he was young, his uh, family were very poor. He's now a, a, a massively successful entrepreneur. But uh, at Christmas time, he had, they had no money, had uh, hardly any food, and a stranger came up to the house, gave them food. His father had a different idea of when that food arrived. He thought, this is charity, I'm worthless, I'm leaving my family. So he left his family. Tony Robbins thought, oh great, what a concept, I have food. 
How wonderful. And from that, he was determined. He said, my dad had always told me that strangers don't care. He said, and this proved me wrong. He said, so the next Christmas, I went out and I fed two families. Gave them some food over Christmas, two families. He said it was the most rewarding thing he'd ever done. The year after that, he did four. The year after that, he did eight. The year after that, he did 16 and said, yeah, you know, maybe I need some help. And so he started developing his own countries, uh, his own companies, sorry. And uh, by 2006, over the festival periods, they actually fed two and a half million people worldwide. Now that's contributing beyond yourself. And if we all do that, it is going to be a much better ride of life, isn't it? Because life is like a roller coaster. It goes up and down, round and round. It's got thrills and chills. It's colourful and it's really enjoyable for a while. Sometimes we think, is this a ride or is this, or is this real? And some people who have been on the ride longer than us come back to us and say, hey, do you know what? Don't worry. Be cool. It is just a ride. Enjoy it. Thank you very much.